Our word of the year this year is manifest. Manifest is a word that has been super cultural. People love this word because they think that if you just will it, it will happen. But we understand here at AWC that this word does not mean that if you will it, it will happen. It doesn't mean that it's magic. Say it's not magic. What manifest means is that if you believe in your head and believe in your heart, then you have the ability to use your hands. But not a lot of people want to use their hands. They want to ask God to do things in their life that they don't have the energy to do. But how many of you guys know by an amen, that's not the truth? Amen. God wants to you to join him in the work. He doesn't just want to do the work because he gets glory when you are a part of the story. So manifesting means that we are establishing a better relationship with God through our worship. So the whole point of this sermon series is not just for us to be better worshipers in the physical part. It's for us to actually understand what we're doing in our lives, that every single part of it is worship. So we've been looking at this definition. I'm going to go through it again. Here's the definition. If you haven't, write it down or online, copy and paste it for other people. The definition of worship is the natural reaction of man in acknowledgement to God as the source. We've been using, the, I'm just going through so that we're all together, amen? So the, the, the anchor scripture that we've been using um, is Proverbs 4.23. And the reason why we've been using this scripture is so that it will literally anchor us in the objective of this sermon series. And it reads just like this. Can you read it with me? It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In the NIV, it says, above all else. Above everything else in your life, do what? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. But I think it's really interesting when people come to AWC and we worship really hard and we teach about worship, you should not necessarily be shocked because it's in the name. You don't go to Popeye's Chicken and order fish. You expect what? Chicken. That is finger licking good. That's a different slogan, I know. Branding infringement. But what's the name of our church? Not AWC, that's an acronym. What, does, what is the name of our church? Ambassadors Center. Not Ambassadors Broken Center. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to help you this morning. Not, not, not Ambassadors uh, um, Bleeding Center. Because there are a lot of organizations where people are serving and they're doing great things for God, but they're bleeding internally. And whoever you serve on, if you're bleeding, you bleed on them. Amen. But it's called Ambassadors Worship Center, which means that the name of our organization was picked on purpose because this is not just supposed to be a place of worship. It's supposed to be a place that's full of worshipers. So this is one of our culture codes here at our organization. You know, like mission, vision, and things of that nature, like, like our, our, our code of ethic. We think that worship, we believe that worship is one of them. And if you're going to have a great experience at this organization, guess what? You have to believe it too. You don't even eat at places, be, you, don't, you, do, you do not even eat at places that don't believe that their food is good. Would you eat there? Even if the food was fire, if the owner was walking through moping saying like, how's the chicken today? It was fire. Well, it wasn't fire on Tuesday, right? Your response to the food would change based off of who was working there. So that means that sometimes people's response to God and worship can be based off of how the people express it. Because you've been talking about how good God is. But look at your neighbor and say, I couldn't tell. Look at your other neighbor and say, I couldn't tell. The name of the sermon this morning is, I couldn't tell. You ready to go? 
The key to a healthy relationship with Christ is a healthy relationship with worship. We have to understand that this thing that we just did in the last 30 minutes isn't worship. It is an expression of our worship. But the best way that we can do this is going to the word. So can we go to the word? All right, if you're ready for the word, clap once. Let's do it. So the book of Deuteronomy, Pastor Martin talked about it a little bit when we were talking about first fruits. But the book of Deuteronomy really, really simply is a pep talk from Moses to the people of Israel who are about to walk into the promised land. Now, how many of you guys know the story of Moses? Right? He was in Egypt, killed somebody, went out into a desert. Then he sang this musical number. Oh, no, that's the movie. They don't, I don't know if he sang in the Bible, but they fill it with songs. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, man, I feel broken. And then the music starts playing, and they're like, I feel broken. And then they start singing the song. I don't think it actually happened like that. But Moses is now with a group of people who have walked through the desert, and now he's about to give them some rules. Can you say rules? The reason why he gives them rules before they walk into the promised land is because for the last 40 years, they've been thinking incorrectly. If they take the mentality of the desert into the promised land, they won't be able to experience it correctly. Their thinking will have sand on it. And if you think that there's no water around you and you don't deserve water, water can be sitting next to you and you still won't take a drink. And that's what happens in church. People need freedom, people need peace, people need hope, but they think that they're undeserving so they can come to a place, they can go to a net group, they can have people lay hands on them and have peace literally sitting right in front of them, which, which is Jesus, and still not take it because they think that it's not for them. So we're not dealing with flesh and blood. The word of God says that we're dealing with principalities, which is how you think. So if I can change the way that you think about worshiping God, then I can change the results that he will give you and what you will receive. So in chapters 1 through 11 of Deuteronomy, Israel is stubborn and they rebel against God. Remember, we talk about this cycle, right? They're free, then what happens? They get tired of God, they start to rebel, they start worshiping gold, and then what happens? They get into captivity, God raises up somebody, and then there's this cycle. So in chapters 1 through 11, it tells the story of how Israel was stubborn. In chapters 12 through 26, it deals with the laws and the commands. Because before God can sit on the throne of your heart, he has to remind you of what rules you have to follow to keep him there. Okay. Then the third part of Deuteronomy is chapters 26 through 27. And he talks about life and death, blessing and cursing. And he basically says, I've laid before you laws. You know that scripture? I've laid before you life and death. But what happens? You have to choose this day what you want. We attribute this to Joshua, but the first person to say it is Moses. Why? Because Moses has, he wants the people to experience a land that God told him he wasn't going to walk into. Remember when he goes up to the mountain and God tells Moses what? God bless you, but you're not going to see it. So Moses is literally begging and pleading with the children of God. And look at your neighbor. Say, do me a favor. Look, look at your other neighbor. Say, do me a favor. How many of you were ever graced to be in the room as a loved one was taking their last breath? How many of you were ever in that room and that person was conscious and they spoke to you? I've been in that room a couple of different times. And the most amazing thing that happens in those moments, if the person loved God, their last word isn't make sure that you turn off the washer and dryer. Their last word isn't make sure to put my forks with the forks and the spoons. No, no, no. This last breath is the last thing that's going to be on record, them communicating with their family. And you know what they usually say? Baby, just keep serving God. That's so precious. Why? Because they understand I'm going to a place based off of my worship life where I'm going to live there. But what if the only way that you actually made it into heaven was based on how you worship God on earth? What if? What if by how you bent your knees, 
how you lifted your hands, how you entered into the presence of God, proved to God if you really had a relationship with him. I used to be in that place where I wouldn't want to worship because of this thing um, called being scared. Like, I didn't want people to see it. And my parents would give me like a two-piece and a combo Hadouken because they were like, how are you? Don't worry about these folks. If you had a real relationship with him, you wouldn't really matter who's watching. So let's talk about these laws. These laws are called commandments. Can you say commandments? Now, in the Bible, there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Not just the 10 that we're about to talk about. There are 613. And in the, old, in the New Testament, there are 1,050. Anywhere where you say, and God said, anytime that you say here, and Jesus decreed, if it's in red, it became a commandment because God never says anything that he doesn't mean. So let's go through the 10 commandments. How many of you guys know them? Keep your hand up if you follow them. People are like, yeah, let me uh, put that one down. No, it's okay because God is interested in progression, not perfection. And if you wait to worship God when you're perfect, it'll never be a good time. I'm going to prove it. Here we go. Ten commandments. What? Thou shalt not have any other gods. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day. Thou shalt honor thy. And thou shalt not. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not taketh from somebody else if it's not giveneth to you in the first place. <laughs> steal. Steal. Okay. Steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That basically meant misrepresenting the truth to get somebody in trouble. Today we call it gossip or the tea. Okay, all right. Do not let thyself lust after your neighbor's wife. It's not, because you, you can covet their things, but also covet who they have it with. God sees them the same. Last one. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house nor his farm, nor his cattle. Many of these commandments were similar to other religions, right? So we think about our commandments make us really great as Christians or as kingdom citizens, but it really doesn't because other organizations, other, can you say faiths, other denominations, people that we might not see as legitimate, they have the same, some of the same practices. Listen to this. The Greeks at the time practiced cleanliness by bathing. If they touched a dead body, they went and bathed and stayed in their house for two weeks. The Romans practiced prayer. It's just about who the prayer is going to, Right? So um, the Persians ex uh, executed those who stole and spoke false truths of others. You know what I'm talking about? If you go to Persia right now and you steal something, they will chop your hand off. Why would I send you to jail for 25 days? I'm going to make sure you remember this. And I'm going to go shink because I'm going to say shink. Y'all don't do sound effects one, one more time. There we go. Y'all didn't watch Bruce Lee movies? No, okay, all right. Indian Empire practiced consecrated eating. We don't eat that because we don't want that in our bodies and if it's unclean. The Chinese empire practiced the system of giving of the first. They understood that in order for us to feed all billion of these people, everybody needs to plant rice and everybody needs to give some of it back so that if famine comes, we can do what? Feed everybody. So when, when, the, when, when, the, when the children of Israel received the Ten Commandments, I think the reason why they didn't necessarily follow them is because they didn't see them as something that was worth following. Everybody does this. Everybody's doing the same thing. But the coolest thing about our faith, somebody say our faith, is write this down. Our worship distinguishes us. Christianity and its faith is the only one where we worship a God for ourselves in relationship. Buddha 
is all over. He's in everything, but he's inside of you. So they believe in that faith that they are Buddha. We are one. In other organizations, in other churches, you can't go to God for yourself. There has to be somebody that stands in between you and God because they're more holy than you. But in this thing, can somebody scream the kingdom? We're the only one that we believe that we have true relationship with the Father. We believe that when we pray, I'm actually talking to God. I believe that when stuff happens in my house that, like, I actually had relationship with God and God loved me enough that he blessed me. But I think that we're beginning to take it for granted. So here we go. Point number one. Embarrassment will always hinder expression. That thing I was talking about earlier when I used to be little, I used to be embarrassed to lift my hands in front of people that wouldn't die for me even if they had the ability to. I was embarrassed. I mean, I'm too dark to blush, but my cheeks still get warm. <laughs> and it would get to this point when I was in the presence of God that that warmth would, like, wash over me, and I would feel embarrassed thinking about what people would think. But this is the thing about how God works. This is what he believes. Write this down. God believes that if I can get your heart, I can change your habits. And if I can change your habits, I can get you healthy. That's what God truly believes. God believes if I can get this thing in your chest and how you think. Because remember what we talked about in Proverbs, right? It says guard your because why? Everything that you do. You can't even love your wife right if your heart is jacked up. You can't love yourself if your heart is jacked up. You can't even brush your teeth with the glory and manifestation of God if your heart is not right. So God says if I can get your heart, I can change your habits. You know what habits looks like in church and worship is I'm doing the same thing I've been doing for the last couple of years. And now it's something that now I worship the ability to not do it because it's embarrassing. But it didn't start out embarrassing. I have been practicing this thing for years to the point now where the first thing that I do when I hear the worship, the first thing that I do when I hear the notes, the first thing that I do when I know that church is coming, that warmth starts to roll over my body. And now I start to think, I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to lift my hands. I'm not going to sing because I'm embarrassed. And now what has happened is one choice that you made 17 years ago has now been repeated for your entire life. And then we question, God, why aren't you visiting me? And God is saying, because you're embarrassed to show me that it's real. But God, I love you. God, I love you. I praise you. God, you're in my heart. But then God looks at us and he says, I couldn't tell. You say you love me, but every time we go out to dinner, we sit in the furthest booth in the back. And you set up your menu so nobody sees you. Are you embarrassed to go out with me? Every time you ask me to come over, relationships, it's just to be in my personal space vulnerably with no clothes on in our apartment. Like, why don't we ever go on walks? Is this all you want from me? All you want is my blessing? You don't want to know me? I'm good enough for you when I'm pleasing you. But have you, you don't even know me enough to please me. So you go out and you say, I worship God. And you have a cross on your, ch- on, on your chest. And you have the, the necklace. And people say, do you love God? And you say yes. And they're like, man, I can tell by the way you walk. But God says, I can't tell by the way you live. Look at your neighbor and say, I couldn't tell. You can tell somebody that you love them as long as you want to, but if you never show it, I can't, I can't tell. The only time that you do prove that you love me is in the face of other people. 
God believes that if I can get your heart, worship team, wake up. If I can get your heart, I can change your habits. If I can change your habits, then what happens after I change your habits? Now you can be healthy. So the only way that we have a healthy relationship with God is if we give him our heart. Because look at your neighbor and say, your habits are what's killing you. Point number two, what you express proves what you love. You want, want me to prove it to you? Can, can I prove it to you? Watch this. What did I say? What you express proves what? So this thing called music. How many of y'all feel love in the room? Right? Depending on what I play, I promise you I can make you sing or move. Want me to prove it? Ready? Can you stand the rain? <laughs> Tell me, can? Huh. Come on, baritone, sing it. Sing it. Somebody needs to start snapping. Come on, do it. One more time, say. That was easy. I only had to ask you to do it once. My old head in the back was like, oh, that's my cut, dog. Come on, young man. Yes, sir. Uh, what about this one? Whoa, what happened? The music pulled out an expression. It wasn't enough just to hear it. Here's another one. Y'all like, ooh, what's he going to play next? Yeah, I listen to Christian music, but I listen to other stuff. Ready? Why, why? Tell him that it's human nature. Why, why? Does he do me that way? Sing it. Let's go. Does he do me that way? Now you've began to move. It wasn't enough to hear it. So then there will be things like this. Now watch this. What you just sang, some broken men were singing songs to women that left them. So you associate this song with love. Michael Jackson was crying. Why did you have to leave me? That's not probably how he probably said it. Now watch this. You ready? Can we have fun in church? Okay. I'm going to make you feel something. You ready? You sure you're ready? If you're ready, clap once. Ready? Stop. I didn't tell you to sing. Why are you singing? Stop. I didn't tell you to sing. Isn't it interesting that the only song I didn't have to tell you to sing to, your heart responded to it without being told what to do. 
And I'm just singing as much as I can, right? But what if, what, what, what if we do this? Pastor Linnell, I just want you to start singing. I'm just going to play. Don't even sing words. Just start singing. This is the key of G. attention to what you feel. Sing a song. I'll follow you. You are holy. Yep. Oh, so holy. What a privilege and an honor. To worship at your throne, to be on into your presence as your own. just happened what just happened I didn't play any fancy chords I didn't even sing can you stand the rain sounds good but it doesn't say anything to God it's not about how many licks worshiper that pastor told you to watch this morning because he wants you to learn something it's not about how many licks you hit it's about can you carry the presence of God by sustaining. Because I could teach my entire message from here. The music only aids what you believe in your heart. So the reason why some people, glory to God, don't feel anything in worship is because they're worshiping someone they don't have relationship with. I can't expect you to understand Jesus, please hold on. I've changed the words of the song to sing to a God that saved my life when I was dirty. When I was addicted to something that had a control of me, he came. Now what have I done? I have taken the song, I have deconstructed it, and I'm saying, God, I'm not embarrassed to sing in your presence. Because all of these people couldn't die for me and wouldn't want to if they really knew what I was addicted to. But you know my heart. <laughs> you know my every thought and my soul. What have I done? I've showed God that I care. Do you think that based off of what just happened and what you just heard that God can tell where her heart is? So what do you need to do so that God doesn't have to second guess if he has your heart? Y'all like that, don't you? It's clean, isn't it?
Can you save me, God? Four chords. I can mess this whole thing up by doing something like this. What just happened? I've lost the moment, but if I give God exactly what he wants and nothing more. Because worship isn't about what I want to give to you. It's about what you want to hear. Okay, let me move on. Somebody say message. You may love him, but it isn't worship until you express it to him. Point number three, how you express reinforces what you love. If what you express proves that you love them, how you do it reinforces it. Your worship doesn't necessarily get you what you want. Your worship reminds God of what you said yesterday. God, if you get me out of this one, I'll worship you. And God will get us out of what we asked him to get us out of, and we won't return the favor, which is our worship. So God's like, this is all you wanted from me. You just wanted to come over at 12 o'clock and leave at 1230 and not text me back in the morning? Because your worship is an intimate relationship with you and God. Is anybody glad? This is good. I'm having fun this morning. This is good for my soul. How you express reinforces what you love. Now listen to this. We're going to read the word of God. We're going to go back to Deuteronomy. Moses is talking to his people. Y'all want me to come back and play here? Want me to to teach the whole sermon from here? I'll do it. Don't play with me. I'll do it. Moses is sitting with his people. Take a note of how you hear that. Play that. Okay. (laughs) Moses is having conversation with his people, and he's telling them, All of these different commandments don't really mean anything if your heart is not in the right place, i.e., somebody say heart posture. So in Deuteronomy 1 through 22, he tells them how to direct their love. Look at your neighbor and say, how to direct your love. This is God's love language answers. His his, His love languages aren't words of affirmation, acts of service. Here are the three. God doesn't like quality time. He's like, I run it all. Like, you can't run away from me anyway. Even in your sin, I was there. Deuteronomy 1 through 4. I want you, every time it says the word love, I want you to scream it. Are you ready? Here we go. You must love the Lord your God and obey all of his ways. His requirements, his decrees, his regulations and commands. Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 15. says, if you carefully obey the commands I am giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul. Meaning that if your heart isn't all the way in it, you're not really doing what you said you were going to do. So if you say you're going to love somebody and a piece of your heart isn't there, you're not really loving them. Okay. Last one. Here we go. Uh, um, Deuteronomy 11:22. Be careful to obey all these commands I am giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding, tight, and holding tightly to him. So here, is God loves, here are God's love languages. Your worship should be expressed through obedience. Somebody say obedience. It's doing what God told you to do regardless of how you feel because he said it. Some of you, obedience is the person that you refuse to go and pray for in the grocery store because you were embarrassed. I don't know them. Why would I lay my hands on them? But how many of you guys know that when God told you, it wasn't up for discussion? Your child is fighting something in their bedroom, and God told you to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, walk down the hallway, lay hands on that child, but you were tired. A lot of the times, it's not the enemy trying to wrap up your kids. It's we're disobedient to listen to the voice of God that we claim that we know. Want me to go back and play it? Y'all feel better? 2 o'clock in the morning, go say hi to your son. 
And you don't understand that if you were to go walk in that room, you might interrupt something that the enemy is trying to get this collar around his neck. You have no idea that when you break down that door, yeah, he'll be embarrassed in a moment, but he'll live a life of freedom. Okay, let me get back. Let me get back. Somebody not worried about how embarrassed I would be saved my life. Okay. Somebody say worship is expressed through obedience. Here's God's second love language. This is how you show God your love and express your love to him. Worship is expressed through service. There is no word for obey in the Hebrew language. But there is a word in the Greek and in the Hebrew that is shema. Can you say shema? Shema is to listen and then respond. This is service. So shema means to listen, obey, then express, and then that reinforces your love. So when you serve people at our organization, that is worship to God. This is the reason why in order for you to get more out of AWC, you can't just attend. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to put your hands on it. This next sermon series that we're going into, We the Nation, is, it, it doesn't just mean we, they're in the room. Because I'm telling you, your life will change when you begin to present to somebody freely what was given to you freely. When God gives you grace, it's not just for you. He gives it to you so that you can freely give to someone else. That's why we have opportunities for you to serve with our children. That's why we have opportunities for you to seat people. Ushers are not just people that seat people. No, they're giving them a front row seat to maybe what God wants to do in their life based off of their serve. You will stop going to a restaurant based off of the service, even if the food is fire. Why? Because the food can't get the bad taste that you left in my mouth. Doesn't matter how good the au jus and potatoes au gratin are. If you are rude, I will not eat here anymore. So if we only ask God to bless us, but we don't serve him, doesn't matter how good the worship is, he'll look at us and say, I can't, I don't want to eat here. The food's good all the time, but whenever you serve me your worship, it's just like, here you go. Somebody say point number three. This is the third love language of God. Worship is, is, worship is expressed through your life. Worship is expressed through your obedience, Deuteronomy 11, 1 through 4. Worship is expressed through your service, Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 15. And the last one is worship is expressed through your life. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 11, 22. Be careful to obey all of these commands I am giving you, which means that it's not enough just to follow the Ten Commandments. Show love to the Lord your God by doing what? Walking. Living in his ways. Which means the way that you fix your baby's breakfast in the morning is worship to God if your heart is right. The way that you go, like, I'll, look at your neighbor and say, this is serious. Everybody clap like this. Clap, 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 clap. Wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Okay, stop. This is serious. The way that you put your pants on, if your heart posture is not right, God will see that as something that he doesn't want. When you're nice to people that are rude to you, that is worship unto God. When you change the baby's diaper after a blowout, instead of cursing the baby out who doesn't know what's going on, how many of y'all ever changed one of those diapers? You, like, throw the whole baby away. Let's just start over. And try. Maybe we're not built for this. Did you see what was, came out of that thing? You know? But you, you can change the diaper with great. You can, when your family literally spits in your face, you have an opportunity to worship God by how you serve them. Look at your neighbor and say, worship is my life. 
Worship is not regulated, write this down, to 30 minutes before one time a week on a Sunday. That will be the equivalent of me giving my wife a peck on the cheek every Sunday and not communicating with her on Monday through Saturday. And what will make it even worse is if I did things in public with her that I wouldn't even do in private. You know what the equivalent is. How many of you have ever asked your kids to clean the house before you get to the crib because you got company? What do you ask them to do? Talk to me. What are they supposed to do? Scrub the toilets? Vacuum? Mom said vacuum. Looked right at her son. Vacuum. Don't. I got you, bro. I got you. What else? Talk to me. Dishes. There better not be no dirty dishes in that sink. My mama was so bad. She said there better not be clean dishes in the sink. She's like, put them up. I'm like, yes, ma'am. All right. I'm going to use the same spoon in like 10 minutes. Put it up. <laughs> Have you ever had your children try to do the job as you were trying to prepare for company when they showed up? Yeah. <laughs> you were supposed to do this before they got here so that when they got here, we could just get right to the meal. Y'all just missed it. Y'all missed the whole point. Worship and being prepared for God's presence is not our job. It's yours. And God forbid we don't play your song, well, worship wasn't good. Worship, I thought, was, let's go to the definition real quick. Um, worship is the natural reaction of man in acknowledgement of God as the source. Maybe we should change that to the natural reaction of man in acknowledgement to God as their source. Oh, so if God was really your source, it wouldn't matter what key we played in because you will be worshiping God and not the resignation of a deemed natural. Because God doesn't really care about these chords. He cares about the chords of your... Are y'all getting it? It's taking us four weeks, but are somebody kind of getting it today? Kind of getting it? God would much rather strum the heart strings of your heart than hear how good you can play, sir. Your playing doesn't get you into heaven. Worshiping through the keyboard gets you into heaven. Okay, let me, let me get back. Let me get back. But I can play. That doesn't matter. We've been to countries where the people cannot sing. Do you, do you hear me? And the glory of God comes. Arms are growing back. And people's eyeballs are being able to see. They're able to speak. Because God's like, I don't care about what I hear. I don't hear this coming out of your mouth. I hear where it's coming from. Here we go. Point number four. Somebody say, if it's in you. It has to come out of you. Pastor, I'm not that expressive. Pastor, I don't, I don't do this. Isn't it interesting when I say expressive, I'm not talking about a volume. I'm talking about what do you need to do in the presence of God for God to look at you and say, there she is. Let's look at this word called express. Because I couldn't tell is the name of this sermon, but the expression of your worship is what we're talking about. Remember how easily it was to express the song to human nature? That was easy. Why? Because, well, some of us have some bad memories with that song. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all heard that song like, mm, Daryl, 1965. Yeah, it's okay. Get over him, okay? Get over him. All right? Some of y'all heard that song like, mm, Marjorie. Sorry, Enoch. That's the only name I could come up with. That's his grandmother's name. I'm sorry. Don't, don't. Express defined. Somebody say express. Express means to convey a thought or feeling through words, by gestures, or by conduct. Expression is how you convey your love to someone 
through, can somebody say your words, your gestures, by conduct. Say it again. Say my words, my gestures, and my conduct. So let's write these down. Words are what you say. Gestures are how you move. And conduct is how you live. Isn't it interesting that the dictionary's vocabulary of this word, the definition of the word expression, goes right back to Deuteronomy. Remember what we said in Deuteronomy. You're supposed to worship, um, uh, you're supposed to express your worship through obedience, service, and your life. And the way in which you express through the dictionary is with your words, how you move, and how you live. Because the interesting thing about it is that Jesus expressed his love for us without embarrassment. Do you think that he would have been able to be strung up on a cross and been bashful? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want you to see my brokenness. Can you put a loincloth on my, on my scars? No. He said, I want you to see it. I want this to be expression, not to you, but to God. Because remember what he said before he died. What did he say? Then what did he say after that? To thee I do this act of service. He wasn't even talking to the people. He was saying, God, here is an expression of my love. So maybe the reason why you see some people in this place when the song starts go like this is not so that you can see them, but so that God can see them. As soon as the song comes on, I don't care if you can lead it. I don't care if it's in Spanish. I don't care if it's in a key that I can't register. The minute I hear the music, I know my cue. I got to show God it's real. Here I am. Sometimes you got to get out of the way of other people that are embarrassed because I remember God wasn't embarrassed to come and get me in my darkness. God didn't creep in when I was, okay, who am I talking to? I need 10 people. You were deep in it. You couldn't get out. You said, if it, hey, cuz, I could quit this tomorrow, knowing that you were lying through your teeth. I don't need alcohol. You are alcoholic. And God didn't come into your sin like this. Hey, is it, is it, is it okay if I, maybe, if I, if, I, if I free you, is that okay? Oh, not, not today? Okay, 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 Johnny, let me know. Hey, John. Josh, maybe, maybe today? No. What Jesus did in my life, say my testimony. This is my testimony. God walked up in that thing and said, hey, bro, I called you to be something greater than what you're doing right now, and I really need you to put that down so you can pick up your cross and follow me. And he wasn't embarrassed to do it, so how can I be embarrassed to be in his presence and give him what he gave me freely? But look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, proper worship takes practice. And practice doesn't happen in the room. You don't practice your worship here. You display it to God as your first fruit for the rest of your week. There's a reason why Sunday Jesus rest, God rested. Because Sunday is the beginning of the week. So your worship in this place should set the tone for how you worship Monday through Saturday. Oh, my God. When you're at soccer practice with your kids, that's worship. When you're vacuuming the basement, that's worship. When you're disciplining your children or your team at your office, guess what? That's worship. But if you don't get it right here, it doesn't matter what you do out there. You got, look at your neighbor and say, you got to get this thing right. But you got to practice. Remember what we said before. If God can get your heart, he can change your habits. And if he can change your habits, what? Well, guess what? He can get you some health. Because guess what? Habits are just practice bad things. How do you start a habit? 21 days. That means that for the 21 days, you have made a decision to do what you know you shouldn't, and now it's become a part of your life. 
I go to the gym every single day. But it takes one good day of eating some Krispy Kreme donuts for me to practice a bad habit. If I do that over 21 days, Jeremy, where am I going to be? Right back at 285 pounds and miserable. But guess who I, I can't blame Krispy Kreme? Why? Because I practice the act of putting my key in the ignition, driving there, purchasing them, and putting them into my mouth. Therefore, when it comes to your worship, you can't expect for us to build your worship here in 30 minutes when you should be doing it every day out there. Oh, the church didn't do it for me. We weren't built to do it for you. We were built to build a place where people understand and can do it together. Sometimes the expression that you hear over here from a mother woods is something that you can't even imagine because if she told you why she's worshiping. People in here are bouncing babies on their knees, but if they told you about the ones they lost, oh my God. And while they were literally in postpartum depression, they still got on their knees and said, God, you're worthy. People being evicted from their homes, literally in the grass, as our pastors have stood there, people taking stuff out of their house, the dishwasher, taking the car, asking for the keys, and the pastors drop on their knees and begin to pray to the God that is there. Because God, doesn't matter what happens on the outside, it's not going to stop my worship from getting to you. I never want you to look at me and say, I couldn't tell that you love me. I never want you to look at me and say, I couldn't tell that I was the best thing that ever happened to you. You say that I saved you by grace. You say that I saved you by mercy, but I couldn't tell. When I get married, the only person that matters, if they can tell if I love them, is the one that I married. When you gave your heart to Christ, you entered into a union. You signed a contract in blood that you were not going to separate from him. And guess whose responsibility it is to worship him? Yours. But look at your neighbor say it takes practice. You teach your kids how to worship God based off of how they scrape their knee. When they fall and scrape their knee, do you say like, oh, better luck next time? Or you say, hey, let's thank God that it wasn't your head. Let's worship God right here, baby. People in this organization go to QT to get pizza for their children, and their children think it's a field trip, and they don't have food. And they're talking to their children, isn't that pizza good, baby? Can we worship God? And mom is going to sleep with no food in her stomach. And we won't worship God because we're embarrassed. You do not understand what is in the alabaster box of the person losing their mind in this place. Because this is my practice to God. Somebody say, I was addicted. Thank you for being honest. See, I tricked you. God came in that place that was smelly and gross. And he didn't just pull you out of it. He sat there in it with you as you were cutting yourself, sweetheart. He was there. He sat with you. And even if your heart was right, I believe that he can even look at your sin and say, I know they're trying. I know they're trying. I know it hurts. I know that you think you're going to get to me by going to alcohol or you're going to get me out of your space by smoking weed. I get that. But I think that it's about can you make me see it's real? Somebody say it takes practice. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen through 21, it says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. This is Moses at the end. He's already told them what to do. He's told them how to do it. Now he's just pleading with them. Somebody say plead. He says, so commit yourselves half-heartedly, a piece of heartedly. Even Moses understands that you got to put your whole heart in this thing. You cannot worship God with a section of your heart. He's got to have all of it. You don't get to worship God with 98% of it and then put your family over here because you're good. We good. No. It takes somebody to say, oh. 
verse 21, it says, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land of the Lord, swore to give your ancestors. Deuteronomy 11, 26, 32 says, look today, I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. It also says in the New King James, between life and death, you will be blessed if you do what? Obey the commands of the Lord. What's the first command? Thou shalt not worship any other God. 